0: We'll just read this morning from 2 Peter, the fourth chapter, uh, first chapter, 2 Peter, the first chapter. And so it says this, and uh, verse, verse 16, it says this, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now the coming here, I believe here, is speaking about the second coming or the second advent. Second advent, the first advent had to do with when Christ put on humanity in John 1 and verse 14, brought out in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 6 through 11. That was when he was born in the womb of the 14-year-old peasant girl, Luke 1 and verse 35. That was his advent, his first. That means he came to the earth. He's dealing with the earth. He came in his first advent. Now, the whole proof of it. First, he had 30 silent years. And we know even in his birth, how Herod, under the influence of Satan, tried to do away with him tried to have everyone two years old and under to be killed, males. So we know right from, the part, right from that part, we have the influence of the enemy coming against Christ right when he's born. Then we have his 30 years of privacy, right? Where he worked with his dad, Joseph. He was, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was brought up in, in John 1 and verse 46 in Nazareth, which was a slum area. They were very poor, but Jesus was a carpenter, and he learned, he was learning obedience, not like you and I learn it. He wasn't learning obedience like you and I do, because we learn it at times through the failure of having a sin nature. He had no sin nature, but he had a human nature, and being, having a human nature, being created by God in the womb of that, pe- that little peasant girl, Mary, he had to learn obedience. And that's what it talks about. He was in the habit of us, like us, and the like. There is the difference is he had a human nature and we do, but we also have a sin. We have this sin nature. So he was learning, and then then he had a public ministry for three and a half years. A public ministry, where we see the Pharisees, the legalistic guys, the legalistic crowd. Who in John 16 and verse 2 were thinking they were doing God's service by trying to kill the body of Christ? (laughs) Okay, the enemy again, again, after Christ. So this whole time, the first advent, okay, what did it have to do with? It had to do with the earth, did it not? It had to do with God establishing his heavenly kingdom on the earth, which would bring out Matthew 6 and verse 10. That is what he taught the disciples to pray. That's not the Lord's Prayer. So many times we've heard, let's say the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, if we look at the context, he taught his disciples how to pray, this was kingdom teaching, it had to do with the earth. Christ came to be their messiah. He came as prophet, priest, and king as their messiah. But in John 1, first in verse 10, it says he came into the world that he made, (laughs) and the world didn't even know him. Just didn't know him, had no way of understanding, they didn't know him, because they're all in an unsafe condition. They have no way of knowing him. Then it says in John 1:11, he came unto his own. Now, when it says that, he came as their Messiah, the Anointed One. You see all through the Psalms, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who is anointed prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and king. He is priest, the priest, as we know in all the Old Covenant and the types, all through Leviticus. And in certain operations, as Aaron did as the high priest in the book of Exodus, we see that he would have to bring sacrifices. But Christ himself was not only priest, but he was the sacrifice himself. So everything was completed in himself. So when it says in John 1.11, he came unto his own, he came unto them, the Jews, to establish the kingdom, to be their Messiah, uh, their priest, their prophet, priest, and king. What did it say in John 1, 11? He came unto his own, the nation of Israel, and they rejected him. They said no. That's brought out in John 18 and verse 40. They, as the religious crowd, under the law, legalism, which would just bring out the flesh, we see that. In 2 Corinthians 3, seven through nine, we see that. It only brings out death and it brings out condemnation. It was the ministration of death and became the ministration and operation of condemnation. He came unto his own and they rejected him. They said in John 19 and verse 15, crucify him. That's what they said. He came unto his own in John 1 11 and his own rejected him. Then we see in John 1 12, then it says, but. Now that word, but, as we have been taught, Mike has, has taught about this word so many times I've heard in his, his uh, preaching and teaching. And that word "but" is a contrasting conjunction. Now here, here are his own, the nation of Israel rejected him. Boom. Said no, not this man. John eighteen forty, crucify him. John nineteen fifteen. Then it says, then it's a but, and the but is a contrast. But as many as would receive him, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority, that's what the Greek word says, the right, power, and authority, to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name. His name there speaks of his person and the work that only he accomplished, which they could never do. And then it's a a conjunction. See the contrast? They rejected him. These didn't. They. See? And, and then the conjunction separates the two. <laughs> it separates. And so, then, but as many as we free them. So that's the parentheses. So, is it right now, what is God doing right now? Based upon the fact that Christ finished the work, he walked the earth approximately 40 days. We see that in First Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. And throughout the certain portions of scriptures. And then he he ascended into heaven. We see that in Acts 1, 10, and 11. He ascended into heaven from where he came. That's why it even says in John 3, verse 27, can a man receive anything except it come from heaven? And this is a conclusion and a teaching of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. You can see that, how those, uh, uh, John 3 and verse 27 and Deuteronomy the 30th chapter it brought out beautifully and how Christ could only be that. Because none could go in. None could go up. The distance was far too much. The failure and fall and ruin condition of man was so great that there was no gap that could be bridged. He couldn't go back up. So Christ had to come down. We see that in John 1 and verse 14 in that first advent. But now... John 1.12 is a great parenthesis. And that parenthesis there is now he's done with Israel. Done with Israel. All that's going on in the earth right now is the fulfillment of prophecy. The fulfillment of prophecy, which would do away with the old covenant, which Christ would do to bring in the new covenant. For who? The church or for Israel? For Israel. But there are scores of well-meaning men, beautiful men, men that have given me, that God used to give me truth I wouldn't have known otherwise, but will confuse that very thing. They'll confuse it, you know. It's Berit, you know, for instance, in the Hebrew, it's Berit. It's B and with a little E above there and R-I-T. But it's diatheke, the covenant, okay? And the fact of the matter is, covenant has to do with the earth has to do with law that's what it has to do with okay and, and all the promises for us in Christ are yea and amen they're fulfilled in 2nd Corinthians 1 and verse 20 now again this is this great parenthesis that great parenthesis in John 1 12, okay, is where Acts the first chapter when they're drawing lots That has to do with the Old Covenant. They're still drawing lots. But right away, we get into Acts, the second chapter. That is the great parenthesis. No more is he dealing with Israel. No more. He's taking out individuals, out from the world system, meaning we're in the world, in John 17 and verse 16, but not of the world any longer. Why? Because Christ is our life. We don't function in this old ruined life. What it brings out again, very, very clearly, very clearly is that, that is, that's prophecy. So Acts, the second chapter now, is the beginning of the church. Do you remember when Jesus said, I'm gonna give you another comforter in John 14 and verse 16? And it's the Holy Spirit. And then he said in fourteen seventeen, he's with you, meaning Christ himself was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We see that crystal clear in Colossians 2, 9. He was filled up with all that God is. He said he's with you, but he will be in you. <laughs> in you. When Christ would be crucified, go down to the grave, never in hell. Christ never went into hell. The bad teaching of 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, uh, no, 1 Peter 2, 4 and three nineteen of 1 Peter. A lot of bad teaching about that. Christ never went into hell. Furthermore, in Psalm 16 and verse 10, he says he would not allow his body to stay in the grave, Hades, the grave, to have his body be corrupt. That's crystal clear in the scriptures. And uh, but again, so we're, this this prophecy that's being fulfilled. But what is he doing right now? Is he dealing with Israel right now anymore? No, he's not dealing with Israel anymore. He's taking people out and putting them into the body of Christ. That's why it says in Ephesians 5.30, we're his body, flesh, and bones. That's why it says we're his church. And he said, I will. He didn't say it when he answered Peter in in reference to the answer that Peter gave him, which he got from the Father in Matthew 16 and verse 15 and 16. and 17, Jesus said to him, and and because he asked them, who do do men say that I am? You know, and some were saying, you're Elijah and you're this and you're all. And... And 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 he and Peter got the answer from God the Father and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. You're the anointed one, the Son of the Living God. And that's when when Jesus said unto him, Peter, flesh, blood and flesh never gave you that answer. <laughs> God doesn't answer the fallen nature. He has no answer for it. He crucified it in Romans 6, 1 through 6. So what he's teaching there is, he said. And flesh and blood, blood and flesh did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. And then I will build my church. I will. Was he doing it then? Nope. As far as God was concerned, in the eternal mind of God, the work was finished. But he came and actually did that work in John 19.30 on the cross. He finished it because it was his will in 4.34 of John and the Father with him in John 5 and verse 17, working with him and in him, because in John ten thirty, I and the Father are one, and he could do nothing apart from him in John 8, verse 29 and Romans 15 and verse 3. He never did a thing apart from him. How do, how do I say all of these things? And how do we know these things without all without these scriptures? We just don't. We don't. There's no message apart from them. And so... What we see there, what we see there is that's when the church began to be. He began to take people out of the world system, we're in it but not of it, out of the world system and place them in his body to ultimately become his bride in Revelations the 19th chapter in verses 7 through 9. But right now, he said, I will build my church. And then then he said to Peter, and upon this rock, this is where Catholicism makes its mistakes that God was going to build his church on Peter, who would be the first Pope. There's no such thing in the Word of God ever saying that. Furthermore, when Mary even said in Luke 137, she looked right at, at God, saying that one that was going to be in her would be her God and her Savior. That is in the douay Rheims, Latin Vulgate version of the Catholic a translation of that, right in their Bibles, okay? Right in their Bibles. Yes, Jesus was was that Holy One created by God, the Holy Spirit in the womb, that humanity of Jesus. That's why that blood that Jesus Christ had was pure and perfect because of Leviticus 17 and verse 11, the life of the flesh, the body is in the blood. And if the blood would be tainted through having the sin nature, so would the body. His never was. That's why we teach he had a human nature. He never had a sin nature. Okay? And so God's given us a lot, but he's he's bringing us and giving us this morning, and and the only way he's doing it, through, through bringing the word and giving us precise teaching in areas. So, he began to form the church. He said, upon this rock, that rock, the Greek word is this massive ledge. It's the foundation that Christ himself is. That's what Paul's referring to in 1 Corinthians three, ten, and 11. The foundation's already been laid. Be careful how you build on it. The reason I'm saying that is, is this brings in the truth about prophecy And it brings in the truth about a covenant which had to do with the old. And to make a new covenant, okay, again, only has to do with Israel. The new covenant is not the church. Some will teach it this way. The most incredible men of God, honestly, in their understanding of the word, I couldn't dust their shoes. But in this particular area, they get off a little bit. Because they'll say, no, it's not the legal, literal thing, but it is a spiritual aspect. Okay? We do not have a Judeo-Christian heritage. Okay? God is doing something for Israel, and he will do it when he comes back to set up the kingdom to fulfill Matthew 6 verse 10 will be fulfilled in Revelations 19 11, to the end of the chapter going into the 20th chapter to those first four verses where he establishes that kingdom. The new covenant is Christ who did away with the old one that Israel couldn't fulfill, and He will be the new covenant in fulfilling for Israel what they could never do themselves. Has nothing to do with the church. Israel's completely different and a whole different thing to the church. Okay? The kingdom, remember, the prayer was our Father. Israel, Israel, and the earth has to do with the Father, the church has to do with the Son. We're the church. And as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are we in Christ above all people groups. And when we don't understand these things, the confusion, even, look, and that's why I say, even with the best sources, the best thing we can do is get proper preaching and teaching. And I understand we do need to grow and we will, individuals will, they will, as God leads. But in 2 Peter 1 and verse 16, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, what they're saying, what he's saying here is in his first advent, his first time on the earth, remember, that was kingdom teaching. That's what he was teaching them the whole time on the earth. Remember, he said, I don't go to anyone in Matthew 15 and verse 24, but the lost sheep are the house of what? Israel. You're not to go to anyone else. Not to do that, because it was it was kingdom teaching, and he was teaching the Jews what only he could do, which he would do. At first they rejected him, but when he comes, boy, they're going to receive him, and he's going to fulfill that. But it's all, yes, it's all based upon grace, no question about it. But Israel and the church are completely separate. Furthermore, we will rule and reign with Christ while the old covenant and brought out in the newness of it, Christ himself, bringing out all those types and sacrifices will be brought out again. That goes into the book of, of Ezekiel, brought out in Isaiah the 11th chapter, in those 16 verses, in in Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34. That's all kingdom teaching of what he's going to do on the earth. It doesn't have a thing to do with us. We are a heavenly, we're in this on the earth, but we are a heavenly people, because Christ is at the right hand. He is, is fulfilling in us in John 1 12 as many as would receive him to them he gave the power to become the sons of god furthermore sons of god in the old covenant had to do with angels didn't even have to do with men now we're sons of god in in galatians 4 6 and 7 where we cry abba father as his little technons hopefully we become the weos grow in maturity firstborn technons Technia, and then we grow in maturity as we us. So that's what we do. But again, and and then that's what we cry out in Romans eight and verse fourteen. And as a matter of fact, Romans six verse fourteen. We're not under law. Not under it. We're not under the law. The new covenant is not the church. And I will tell you, scholars. most well it's 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 very well misunderstood to be quite honest with you And and there's a lot of confusion about that some will say yeah that's all of israel's promises being fulfilled of course all the promises that made to god if they were actuated and fulfilled shouldn't wouldn't they have to be unconditional if god would do it wouldn't that be grace no merit involved and of course it is And of course it was. Now, there were certain things if they didn't, they didn't actually experience it, you know. But again, bringing it out here, that's what he's saying here in 2 Peter 1 and verse 16 to know the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not rapture, this is second advent. But watch this for we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, Peter walked the face of the earth with him. But then when Christ was crucified, he went down, right? He went down, went up to heaven and sent down the promise in John 14, 17 to form the church in Acts, the second chapter. Peter became a part of the church, not the new covenant. But he he was an eyewitness while he walked the earth and when he comes back with us as the church that was raptured off the earth, prior to the tribulation period tribulation period has to do with chapters 6 through 18 something the church absolutely does not go through whatsoever because christ finished the work and then we come back with him and then peter is going to be and we will be too, eyewitnesses of him dealing in prophecy with Russia, with China, with the 21 Arab nations, in the old Roman Empire. The old Roman Empire was never defeated. It's revived again. They all come together around Jerusalem, and that's the picture in Revelations, the 19th chapter. But we come back with him because we were raptured off the earth. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, and 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52, brought out in Revelations chapter 4 and verse 1. We come back with him. Now with, with Peter, we are eyewitnesses where God ends the, ba- the battle of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo. That's brought out again in prophecy in Zechariah the 14th chapter and scores of others. But that's, what the, that's what's brought out. And we're going to be eyewitnesses of his majesty, his glory. He's going to be glorified on this earth. And the only time it happens is when Christ comes back we come back with him as a church, listen, to rule and reign with him. We rule and reign over Israel and the nations and even over angels in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. We rule and reign with him because we're one with him. We rule and reign on that earth. And then at the end of that, At the end of that, we go into the eternity of the eternities after Revelations, the 20th chapter, just after the great white throne judgment, which was brought out into the end of of Revelations 20 in that 15th verse that ends it. Then we go into the eternity of the eternities in Revelations 21 and 22. We go into it. And that is the fulfillment of 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 28. When Christ has subdued everything, even during the millennial reign, there'll be rebellion that he'll deal with in in Psalm 2 verse 9 and brought out in Revelations 2 and verse 27. He will deal with them. It will be like a wrought iron smashing a plate, a ceramic plate. Boom. Then when he has subdued and dealt with everything, then he with us will submit to God in eternity, so that he, can, he becomes all in all. and 1 Corinthians, that God may be all in all. Right now, Christ is all in all, fulfilling all of this in Colossians 3, in verse 11. But then, it's 1 Corinthians 15 and 28, where Christ finally hands over everything so that the Father might be all in all. This is brought out in scores of types. But this is what is being taught. Now, Verse uh, 2 Peter 1, and verse 17. For he... Receive from God the Father honor and glory, Christ. Who gets all the honor and glory? It's Christ. You know, that's why it even says in Ephesians 5 and verse 21, we reverence Christ in awe in each of us as a vessel. We submit to one another because we're one in John 17:11, 21, and 22. We are one in Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. That was the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer was John chapter 17. That's the Lord's Prayer. The most int- as far as him on earth, that was the most intimate relationship manifested that we see in all the scriptures while Christ was on the earth. And he wants that. And he has that for us in him. For he received from God in 2 Peter 1.17 the Father, honor and glory, when there came a voice to him from the excellent glory, the excellent glory is the first time that was said, was in Matthew 3 and verse 17, but he's talking about when they were with him on the Holy Mount, when Moses and Elijah appeared there, even in the types there, that is Matthew chapter 7 in those first five verses that he's speaking about right here in 2 Peter 1 and verse 17. Moses, Moses, see Christ dealing with Moses, all the old covenant people to be on the millennial reign is represented by Moses and Elijah. Did Elijah die or was he translated to God without death? That's a picture of us in Christ raptured from death. Now some die, We do die, but he that dies once, in Romans 6, 9, dies no more. And that's the type that's brought out there. And that's what he's bringing out here in the scriptures. And then then what did you hear? Well, I want to make an issue. Let's make an issue of uh, Moses, Peter said. Let's make three things. One for the Lord. Monuments. One for the Lord, one for Moses, one for Elijah. A cloud came down, and a voice was said. And what was the voice? This is my beloved son, in whom I well pleased. What? See it in Revelations the second chapter. See it in Revelations the second chapter. And see clearly, in the second chapter, in the third chapter, there's there's literally there's four different times. In the second chapter, uh, Revelations 2, 7, 11, 17, and 29, and Revelations 3, 6, 13, and 22. It's sevenfold hearing, complete hearing. Hear my son, submit to him, hear him and submit to him. That's what he's bringing out. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That will happen during millennial reign. It hasn't happened yet. For his earthly people and for all the other nations. For us, boy, we need to hear it. Especially because of the height of our position. That is brought out in the epistle of Ephesians and the epistle of Colossians, beautifully brought out. So here... This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Again, it's Matthew three seventeen 17, 17, verse 5. And this voice, which came from where? Heaven. Where? Heaven. That's Christ. He's seated above everything. That's you and I in him. See? How could God forget us? How could he not take care of everything about us in time? which came from heaven, we heard. When we were with him in the Holy Mount, we have also a more short word of prophecy. It's already fulfilled. And we are in the one who fulfilled it all. And we're so far above the earth because prophecy has to do with the earth. It has to do with law. It has to do with sacrifice. It has to do with covenant. And both the old, which Israel could never keep, They said in Exodus 19 and verse 8, and they said in Exodus 24 and verse 3, they said, tell us what to do. God gave them those 10 Hebrew words with those 613 statutes and ordinances that are connected with it in Exodus 23 to 17, and they couldn't do a thing. God gave them the law, which was holy, just, and good in, Revel- in Romans 12 and verse 7, to bring out the fact that before you even try to do anything, you have a sin nature. And apart from me, all you're going to do is sin. That's 13, 14, and 15, all the way down to verse 21. Ultimately, the experience would be, oh, wretched man that I am. I can't, I can't fulfill the law. I can't do anything for God. Oh, look, in 25 of Romans 7, it's Christ. The new covenant has to do with Israel. That's the new covenant. But I'm going to tell you, there'll be scores. I hmm, I could name them. I will after I get off of here. I will. Because I don't want to cause any confusion. But I will. Some of the most incredible men of God that God's used in my life. Most incredible. And and again, (laughs) I couldn't dust the soles of their shoes or their sandals, believe me, in terms of the understanding. But thank God we're in Christ. We also have a more sure word of prophecy. We're unto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place. Prophecy's being worked out right now on the earth. It's a dark place. But when Christ comes, who is he? He's the of the world. What in John eight twelve The light of the world. Yep. Yeah. He's the light of the world. This is how we're to understand our Bibles. This is the only way it makes sense. This is God's word. Period. And God the Holy Spirit is the theologian and scholar and when he's not men can get very confused and very dogmatic in their ignorance and pride and confusion. Seriously. And I'll be the first to tell you, in my growth, I've done it. And I will do it if I don't submit constantly in dependence to God the Holy Spirit who will take the things of Christ, his person and the work that he's finished in John 16, 13, and 14 and show it unto me. Because it was that same Holy Spirit that convicted me in John John 16, verses 8 through 11 that I needed a Savior. That was the initiation of God towards me. In salvation. We have also, we and you do well to take heed unto a light in a dark place. We have the light of Christ in us, lighting up our path through this world system. We don't settle down. In Proverbs 4 and 18, the light lights up our path and it gets greater and greater. No wonder it says in these scriptures, like in Psalm 36 and verse 9, with you, O God, is the fountain of life, and in your light, will see light, because if it's not your light, it's the angel of light in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. And when it's not Christ, even in the flesh and the believer, he can, we can be a minister of Satan, be his ministers in ignorance and, and lack of understanding. In, in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 15. Not that we would ever be out of our position in Christ. I'm talking only experience. 1 John five eighteen, be the wicked one touches us not. That's position. Again, he goes after the experience with all kinds of confusion in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, because God has an order in 1 Corinthians 14, 40, and that order is Christ himself, who will be Messiah, prophet, priest, and king to the nation of Israel on the earth. But he has already fulfilled all of that for us and himself now as his heavenly people. See? Until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. This is all preaching and teaching of experience, folks. It's bringing the position through humility, by the pure grace of God in the midst of evil. Remember we said what love is more, and grace is even more in, that, in one sense. It's never separated from love, but grace is love through grace overcoming evil. And this is even bad teaching, you know, no te- Everything about it has to do with that. Every single thing about it has to do with that, see? And so, until the day star arises in our minds, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scriptures is of any private interpretation. And when we don't understand these things, when we don't, inadvertently we, we begin to add to the Word and to take away from it. Okay? All right. Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. Deuteronomy 11, verse 32, Proverbs 30, verse 6, and Revelations 22, 18, and 19. We don't add or take away. It's only Christ. He has done everything, and in propitiation to the Father for the whole sin question for Israel and for whosoever will as the church receive him and become part of the body of the bride of Christ, his flesh and bones in Ephesians 5, 30, knowing this first that No prophecy of the scripture is is any private interpretation. What makes us think that it is otherwise only God who can reveal God? That's why God, the Holy Spirit, is the only theologian and the only scholar. Theo, God, scholar. God, Theo, theo. Theos. Logian, word. Holy Spirit, bringing out Christ. Spelling them out. That's the gospel. That's what gospel means. is spelled out. And he spells out all this truth in us. For the prophecy came not at any time, in the old time, or even in the new, that will be set up by the will of man. See, when my will isn't submitted to the Holy Spirit as a scholar, as a theologian, then I'm going to interpret it privately. I'm going to make the old and the old covenant to be of Israel, the new one, really. That's new for Israel, literally. But I'm going to spiritualize it to be the churches also. No, everything that God will do for Israel is for Israel. Everything he's already done for us is the church. And that's why we rule and reign with him over Israel <laughs> and over the nations. This makes sense of all the scriptures. Otherwise, it's nonsense. For the prophecy came not at any time by the will of man, but holy men of God, notice they were holy. Where was the holiness? It was of God. Spoke as they were moved, what? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And he's the only one that can take these scriptures and show them to us on a continual basis Again, that's why you know. Again, even in response, the way I I brought it out in 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 a private way on a Facebook post, I I brought it out, and 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 I you know, and I explained to the to the individual, you know, I didn't bring this out so that I don't think that you shouldn't agree with this, and and feel it at times. Because it went into, when I, you know, there's these, you know, our life is, we feel crappy, we feel evil, we feel all these things. And then at times there's a little voice that breaks through and said, you are beloved. Well, is all that other stuff who we are in Christ? And yet that's the struggle that many Christians get in. So I used it as an opportunity to bring out some teaching, okay? and i you know and not hopefully and i brought it out personally with the individual again that no this wasn't meant that you shouldn't feel that way but just that was became an opportunity because most christians think that's the normal christian life trying to deal with the flesh constantly but that's not positional truth and if i don't have proper positional foundational growth truth I don't grow in a proper experience. So, Father, thank you so much for your precious word and for your teaching, for your preciseness, for, for your beauty. You love us deeply. Oh, God, thank you so much for the way that you love. Christ in us. Oh, Lord, Christ in us. Christ in us, the guarantee of glory. Now we pass through trials and suffering, just like Jesus. But boy, we're on our way to a face-to-face meeting with him in 1 Corinthians thirteen, twelve, to bring out the beauty of Revelations 2 and verse 17. Father, thank you in Jesus' name, amen.